Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another broadcast on the Soul of America Radio. Tonight, you're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness, with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio, hosted and produced by the Soul of America Radio. Comments made on tonight's broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Blog Talk Radio, the Soul of America Radio, or its host. Hope and Healing takes you from a place of pain, abuse, violence, rejection, and abandonment to a place of hope, healing, and power. All aboard with your author, activist, advocate, and friend, man of purpose himself, and your host for the evening, Mr. J.R. Diglett. Pastor, uh, uh, Pastor Reverend Dr. Um, 
uh, Evans Burroughs, and uh, what a great department, their New Beginning uh, Ministry, which is their domestic violence ministry, and we had a good, good turnout uh, for this particular uh, conference and workshop, and I think lives with such knowledge was gained, and most of all, I think that we were able to make our point, and we were able to make our point in a way that I believe that uh, uh, people will look and think twice when it comes to the issue of domestic violence. So we're excited about that today, and we hope that you are excited as well. I am I am just absolutely elated with the things that are happening. I'm elated with the things that have been taking place in our lives, um, and just so much to talk about. So uh, in just a little bit, we're going to open up the phone lines and give you an opportunity to be a part of this. And I tell you, I don't think you'll be disappointed. It's been a great time. It's been a great time of sharing. It's been a great time of listening. And, uh, and for that reason, we're, we're excited. We're excited tonight. We're excited about the opportunity to make to make a difference. We're excited um, about the opportunity to uh, transform lives. And we're excited about the fact of being able to be a vehicle of healing, hope and healing, a journey to wholeness. That is really what it's all about, hope and healing, a journey to wholeness. And uh, it's really all about that. And uh, as I'm going through it, and I'm always just uh, I'm at wonder and, and I'm, I'm excited because of the fact some of the people I have working in the background all the way uh, there with Indy Harlem, um, and I went to post in some of your pages about the show tonight, and she's put the article that's been in our local paper uh uh, hear about a son of someone returns home, and I definitely want to get to that in just a little bit. Want to get a chance to share a whole lot with those of you that are listening today. And uh, once again, you can listen to us by way of radio, Erico three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. You can call in, or you can listen by way through the internet, www.soulofamericaradio.com. And we are. Excuse me, excited about that tonight. Well, I guess you could say you can tell that I've been on the road, that I've been going nonstop. Um, uh, through my yawns, but uh, it's been a great time, uh, a great place, and a great uh, season. And I, I want to uh, definitely uh, just talk about so many things that have happened, so many things that have taken place, uh, and uh, so many things that I think that is worth uh, discussion. Uh, and uh, I want to say this tonight, that so many uh, situations have, have uh, seemingly uh, evolved and developed since I've gone to Selma. We've had a lot of things happening there in Ferguson, a lot of discovery that have also led to a lot of injury and a lot of harm, and, I, and I'm very sad because of that one there, because of the fact we definitely don't want to be uh, individuals that are going to inflict pain and inflict harm to one another, but you rather we want to be those that are, if you would, that we become the peacemakers and not the peace breakers. And we want to make sure that uh that in all that we do that we will have a sense of um a sense of a pride and a sense of a of uh value toward our fellow man and understand that if violence does not solve the problem that violence only robs both individual because when you begin to affect another one's life you affect their families. You affect their children. You affect everyone and everything that is connected to them. And that's why it's so very important that inside of the work that we do, that we continue to do the work that is meant to make a difference in the lives of so many. So I want to make sure that we get that tonight, that we understand the uh, the legitimacy of what we're doing here and why we do it and, and why what we're doing is, uh, is a route that may not be popular, but it's definitely right, and we know that it works. And uh, 
we know that, you know, at the end of the day, that there are people whose lives are being transformed because of the fact that we have chosen to do right versus wrong. We have chosen uh, to be a bridge of healing rather than a barrier of despair and a, and a hindrance. So that is what this is all about tonight, Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. I am your host, J.R. Ficklin, and I'm so excited to be back with you tonight here on the Soul of America Radio Network. And so as we come tonight, I want to make sure that each and every one of you tonight that are listening under the sound of my voice, that you get a chance to join in to this subject matter. I am going to get into my trip to Selma here in just a little bit. I think that you will be very happy about it. I think that uh, there's some interesting things that took place that um, that will absolutely bless your soul, that will that will bless your heart, so to speak. And uh, you know, and I'm happy about that. I'm happy about that opportunity because it's been an opportunity that um, uh, that um, that I can't even dream of in the sense of the number of lives that were touched, the number of people that were there, um, you know, um, it was something to behold, absolutely something to behold. And as I talk about that something to behold, what comes to mind is the fact that what it stood for is the thing that means the most to me. It stood for good and not evil. It stood for right and not wrong. It stood for it stood for courage for those that did not have courage. It stood for the things that... Uh, that have uh, brought us this far. Um, so I want to just open up the lines in just a few seconds uh, and begin to have that discussion here on so many different fronts. So what I'm going to do, I am going to get going right here. And before we get going, what I want to do real quickly, what I think I want to do, I want to open this up, and I want to open this up right quickly. I'm going to open up the line. But I want to open up the line right after we have a quick commercial break. And I say that because I want everything to be just on all cylinders as we're getting everything together, uh, both the hosts and producers and everything that's going on, our engineer, that we get these things together, that we're ready to have an awesome show tonight. And I hope this awesome show will go go deep and go far in transforming the lives of those that are here today. So um, immediately after this break, this commercial break, we will be right back after this commercial break, and we're going to have a talk about Selma and my trip to Selma and my return to Selma and what did that mean for us. And I know that we generally talk strictly about domestic violence and those type of things, but there's some other issues there that we want to talk about. Um, my dear friend and the president of um, of the Solo America Radio Network actually sent me a link earlier today, and I didn't get a chance to really open it, and even as we were just talking now, I was trying to get to that place to, <clears throat> to excuse me, to open it, because I know that it had to have something <clears throat> that was absolutely important to our discussion tonight, so right after the commercial break, uh, I'm going to look to open up the line, we're going to talk a little bit about Selma, and we're going to talk about some things there that I'm uh, the trip and what did it mean and how did it impact so many and and uh, what did it mean to us as a nation and and what was it some symbolic of and quite a few things. So what I'm going to do here, I'm going to take this commercial break and we'll come right back after the commercial and I'm going to actually start with a commercial that normally the last one. I'll be right back after the break to take your calls. You listen to Hope and Healing, a journey to hope. <laughs>
Journey to Wholeness with J.R. Thicklin is coming back right after this. You're listening to the Soul of America Radio, LLC. This is the one and only Soar. domestic violence in her lifetime. Every year, nearly three million children witness domestic violence right in their homes. Domestic violence is most likely to occur between the hours of 6 p.m. and 6 a.m. More than 60% of domestic abuse incidents happen right at home. Survivors of domestic violence face high rates of depression, sleep disturbance, anxiety, flashbacks, and other emotional distress. If you or someone that you know is a victim of domestic violence, or if you think someone is, reach out to them. If you are a victim, reach out to somebody you can call the National Hotline right now at 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-7233. If you didn't have a chance to write that number down, call Jay Thicklin right now at 1-323-784-9638. Speak to Jay right now at 323-784-9638. And now, Hope and Healing, our journey to wholeness, continues with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Welcome back. You're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so very glad to be with you on the Soul of America radio network. And just before the break, I was sharing with you that we were going to go into our discussion today, and I know it's always open to talk about domestic violence, but I want to talk a little bit about with you about my trip to my home, uh, Selma. I mean, it was quite a pilgrimage to return home. Um, uh, many of you that uh, follow me on pages like Facebook and other different entities, you know that um, not only was this a pilgrimage for me to get back home, but also I had the distinct pleasure of uh, of going home uh, to also do some things, to do a documentary. And that meant that I, you know, I interviewed and talked to quite a few people, not as many as I'd like to. Some of them I'm still going to talk to by phone interview and incorporate it with pictures and stuff. But for me, this was very important. This marked the 50th anniversary of the uh March it marked the 50th anniversary of uh, of uh, 
you know, the Bloody Sunday March, and uh, and uh, which eventually led to the Voting Rights Act, as most of you know. And so what is very important about all of this is the fact that, for me, it meant more than just the norm. Uh, it was 50 years. Uh, it marked a very pivotal time in our history. Uh, our first black president was there. Uh, beyond that, we also had some other things that was going on that I thought was so very pivotal as well, is the fact that you had people from all over the world that was there. Now, when I say that, that's not an exaggeration. You had people from all over the world. You had people there from France. You had people there from Vietnam. You had people there from uh, uh, other countries. You had people there from Central America, South America. You had people there from California, uh, Michigan, uh, Minnesota, uh, uh, Arizona. You had people there from North Carolina, South Carolina. You had people there from Everywhere. I mean, literally, you had people that was coming in from the north, south, east, and the west. They were all part of this incredible time. And uh, and uh, we had an opportunity to take place with those people and share with them and, and interact with them. And, and what we saw in Selma uh, was absolutely incredible. It was incredible. Um, uh, I'm literally, it was incredible, all the activities and the festivities that was going on. Uh, it was incredible the number of people that came and was dedicated. And they were dedicated in the midst of even very cool weather. I will tell you that, that uh, while wow, I arrived in Selma on the 5th of March at um, 36, 37 degrees. And, man, that for me, that was cold. And only to rise up on that Friday in that morning was 25, 26 degrees. I said, no, we got to do better. Eventually warmed up that day to about, 60, uh, I imagine, uh, but we, we, we persevered through that time, and Selma itself was just uh, an incredible experience. Uh, I got to, on that Friday, I went downtown and uh, was uh, there to the city hall and at different places and talking and looking at places that, as a kid growing up there, I you know, that I would frequent when it came to going to the drugstore to pick up my mother's prescription or, or whatever, and just the different places that was downtown. And, uh, you know, and uh, what was just so powerful was why I was down there on that Friday morning. Well, close to Friday noon, it was, uh, I had an incredible opportunity to run into almost a thousand, maybe a little bit over a thousand kids. And these kids were from all over Alabama, look like. And these are elementary school kids. And they themselves had their own, I mean, own, um, high-profile march across the bridge. And it was interesting because they closed the bridge for only a, a, a brief period of time for those kids. But what was so powerful as I saw them assembling and as I saw them begin to make that pilgrimage and they begin to say, I'm not going to let anyone turn me around, let nobody turn me around. Um, so it was an incredible time and uh, an incredible meeting. And uh, and um I cannot say enough for it. And so one of the things that was so incredibly powerful at the time was the fact that as I saw these children marching across the bridge and the number kept coming and I was moved, I was moved at young kids that small because I got a chance to interview them and I asked a question to them. I asked a question, what did the march mean to them? Why did this time being there meant, what did it mean to them? And they be responded by the fact it was a time in their history that others had fought for for us to have rights and freedoms to vote and other things. 
their answer was so well articulated that I was totally blown out of the water. And, uh, you know, it is absolutely an incredible moment, incredible time, and I continue to just be moved by it. Uh, wow. People, as I am talking to you, and I, I'm telling you, the Lord is good. Listen to me. The Lord is good. Uh, if you do know anything about radio, I am here talking to you all. And here's a gentleman that I do not even know, and I'm going to have to post this on Facebook. Here's a gentleman that I don't even know, and I'm reading his article. His name is Franz Steinmark. He said, Pastor Thicklin, after being moved by reading the article about you in the Palm Beach Post, I decided to make this painting of your trip to Selma. I hope you like it. Thank you for all you have accomplished and what you continue to do. And I've got to put it up in our mind. Listen, I am totally moved. People, you have no idea. Because when we're doing this type of work, you know, oftentimes when we're doing this type of work here, we're multitasking. We're multitasking, you know. Uh, we're multitasking in a great way. And for me to see this, I'm blown away. I'm absolutely blown away. And uh, I'm going to contact uh, Mr. Steinmark. And this is just to let you know how powerful this is. I, earlier today, was inside an office depot taking care of some things. And as I was having the article laminated, I had another gentleman, and this was a Caucasian man, who happened to over, you know, who looked over and saw the article, and he looked again twice, and he says, is that you? I said, yes. He said, I read that article yesterday. He said it was powerful. And he said to me, he said, look, I have a friend by the name of Bruce Johnson, I believe it is, he said, that does paintings. And he began to tell me uh, the amazing painting that he does and things that he's done that was 7,000 square feet in commemorating different things about the Civil Rights era. And he said, I would love for you to speak with him. And what I'm saying to you is this, is that so often uh, things happen in our lives, not because we've been naughty or nice or good or bad, but because of the favor of God and the timing of God inside of all things. And I'm grateful today because of the timing of God. I'm grateful today because the timing of God is so right. The timing of God is so right in, in terms of so many things that are taking place here. And so I want you to know that as we begin to talk about Selma today, and I want to get callers on the air. Uh, don't know where they are right now. I'm trying to wake them up uh, and everything. I know that we've had a little inconsistency going, uh, mainly because of my travel schedule. Uh, last uh, Monday this time, I'm in the airways. Um, I'm not even on. And uh, so this blesses me today to be back live and in living color, and to get this message out, because it is so incredibly important to do so. And so even as we're here, even as we're discussing so many different things here, I am grateful. I am grateful for uh, everything that God is doing. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be a vessel, to be used for his honor and his glory. That is what blesses me today, that God will use us for his glory, for his glory. Um, and when we are doing it for his glory, God can be glorified, and I thank him for that today. So those of you that are listening by way of the Internet, uh, com, or you can call in tonight at Erico 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us today, Erico 323-784-9638. That's how you reach us here on Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. But as I was saying, in Selma, what a tremendous experience as I, I watch. And I had the opportunity to watch the city begin to just fill up. As I begin to see 
you name it, uh, buses after buses and travel buses after buses crossing that Edmund Pettus Bridge and coming in from the north and south and east and west. People were coming in to the city of Selma, and they were coming in, folks, because it commemorated the 50th anniversary of the uh, of the uh, Bloody Sunday March. That march, which eventually led up to the passage of the Voters' Right Act of 1965, and when you saw people coming in from all over, once again, charter buses uh, with, with adults, with groups, church groups, with city, with civic officials, uh, ranking officials from different cities and states. It let you know that you was in the midst of history as they came in from far and near, as you saw people walking downtown Selma, taking pictures of buildings, taking pictures of the bridge, taking pictures of things that had significant Selma once again had become the center of attention uh, of America and possibly of the world for that weekend. And as I watched, I met different persons there. I met a group of young men. Uh, they were missionaries, but they were, they were missionaries, and they were part of a uh, church of, of the Latter-day Saints. And uh, these young men, uh, it's like four white young men, one black young man, but their conviction and compassion about uh, about rights were, were very evident, and, and they were there. And some of them had just arrived less than three months ago, and there was one that had been there two years in Selma, and their mission is to be to evangelize in Alabama for, uh, for two years. And we have an opportunity to share the significance of the uh, 50th uh, anniversary was quite an honor. In our time in Selma, we had an opportunity to talk to many different people had a chance to talk prior to going to Mr. Charles uh, Malden, uh, who was one of the original foot soldiers, who was like 17 years old uh, when this all took place before. And uh, his passion, his memory, his recollection is as fresh as it was yesterday. And as he shared the many different stories about the power of unity and assembling and coming together and having a purpose, recognizing who you are, recognizing the fact that there's power in unity. And uh, to hear his story was absolutely incredible. Had the opportunity to be with him at the Foot Soldiers' Breakfast as well, where there were many different ones that was there. There was faces that was finally put to the... uh, uh, to, there was names that were finally put to the faces of those that were there during that bloody Sunday march. Had the opportunity on that Saturday, I believe it was, to also meet the nurse who treated uh, John Lewis in that 60 once he got beaten on March 5th, who happened to be the same sister, uh, the nun, who treated uh, Jimmy Lee Jackson as well, who succumbed to his death. I'm saying we got a chance to meet people of significance from all over. We met... Uh, with uh, Mother Lanier, who's actually a relative of mine. And uh, what a powerful time that was, because in talking with her, her ability to recall so much history, she's a good friend, lived right around the corner, right around by Miss Annalee Cooper, the late Annalee Cooper, who herself lived a long life, I just passed through the other year. Uh, they shared stories about what happened, how many of them were the ones who housed people who came from all over during this time. They were the ones who housed them and, and made meals for them and baked cakes for them and made sure that they had food. And It was an interesting perspective. We had that opportunity to share with them. We had an opportunity, and I can use the word we, my, myself, and uh, Barbara Marshall, the feature uh, writer from the Palm Beach Post and uh, definitely award-winning Mr. Damon uh, Higgins, uh, the photographer, was uh, just absolutely incredible at that time. And so uh, they were there. They enjoyed in this process. Uh, they were not only enjoying in the process, 
but they were part of the uh they were just part of so much that took place then and uh and uh it was just an enormous event. I cannot begin to tell you how moving this was. I cannot begin to tell you how moved I was to be a part of such a tribute to be part of something that was bigger than myself, be part of something that was transformative, something that uh, that left us in a better place than it found us, something that put us in a place of hope, a place of rejoicing, a place of love, a place of trust, a place of reflection, a place of, um, uh, my, my, a place of uh, not only notoriety, but a place of, uh, you know, of the hand of God, just watching the hand of God move in a manner that literally that you could not deny that this was God, that God had shown up, God had manifested himself, and God had not forgotten. And that is what we experienced on that day. That is what we experienced during that weekend. It was absolutely incredible as we saw people from every walk of life come in and be a part of this. So I just want to say to you uh, tonight that uh uh, we want to share this. We're we're going to work working on a documentary now, so that this will be able to be something that we'll look at years from now and understand that it was a blessing. It was a blessing. It's a blessing to be a part of it. It was a blessing to be alive. It was a blessing from every stretch of the imagination. And I and I definitely want each of you to recognize how important this is. How important this is in terms of. Uh, what it does for the next generation, what it does for those individuals that um, that um, may not understand the plight, those individuals that um, may not understand how necessary it is uh, for um, us to be a part of something that um, changed the face of the world. And we have to be the ones that are willing to stand to be uh, the light in the midst of darkness. Uh, so I just want to say to you, and each and every one of you, that this is um, this is the time. This is the time and this is the season that we learn to do the things that are absolutely necessary in a, in a, in a making a way out of no way. And we must be willing to do so if we're going to really enjoy what God wants to do in us and through us. And so I want to leave that with you today. And I'm I just want to say that in the midst of all of this, that there has been a time, there has been a time uh, in our time in Selma was um, absolutely um, mind-blowing. And uh, it's one of my favorable moments uh, there in Selma when I had the opportunity not only to see the foot soldiers there, but when I had the opportunity to uh, visit uh, the Jackson's house, which is being converted into a museum. And, um, and there you saw places where Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., slept and laid his head while in Selma. You saw the bed he slept in. You saw the couch that he relaxed on. You sat at the table. You saw the table that not only did he sit, but the table also that that Ralph Bunch also sat. So the first two, the first two black Nobel Peace Prize winners both sat at that table. So we had an opportunity to become a part of history. We had an opportunity to enjoy the history, and we were blessed by the history in which we were made to be a part of. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to take another radio break, um, break and when we come back, we'll be right with you in the break. You're listening to Open to Healing, Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'll be right back 
after this break. All right, look like the engineering button is just a little slow. So as we're waiting on it to come in. Via internet, you're probably seeing a series of advertisements. Please click on those advertisements as they help us to continue to bring you the best in soulful talk radio. By Choice to Fellowship on Facebook is a spiritual, drama-free, judgment-free fellowship forum for like minds to share in encouragement through testimonies, scriptures, music, prayer, worship, and fellowship. It is our desire to be an oasis of hope in the midst of the deserts and wilderness of life's most challenging experiences. We welcome you for prayer requests as well as your testimonies as we collectively operate as thermostats changing life's experience through God's leading in His Word. Join us as we empower lives and shape destinies. That's Destiny by Choice 2 Fellowship on Facebook. Through a search, you can find us. If you're listening via Internet and you want to speak to the host, please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the Soul of America Radio. I am Indy Harlem too, and I am fighting the power on the Soul of America Radio. Worldwide Coast to Coast Talk Radio. This is the Soul of America Radio. You're listening to SOAR. And now back to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin. show that that when we're doing the show 
oftentimes there's a lot of multitasking that is going on. It is just the nature of uh, radio. It's the nature of television and media, you know, whether you have a whole staff or whether it's just a couple of you. And so in the midst of this, as I am talking to you all, as you saw, I was checking different mails and things uh, because we get mail and things, and as I'm checking it, I see a, a mail that said something about Mr. Steinmark. I could even remember it. And then when I opened it to read it, here was a gentleman. I don't know him. I never met him. But he uh, apparently read the article in, about Selma yesterday, and um, he uh, and he found me. Uh, he actually found my email address. Uh, I don't know who did he know, but I think the thing that I am finding just I'm just blessed and I'm overwhelmed right now is the fact of a. Uh, it's a type of outpouring that I've seen happen uh, since this article actually came out. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, this gentleman here actually uh, sent, uh, and I'm trying to pull it up again. I pulled it up on my phone, but I want to pull it up again because I thought it was, well, I thought it was very fitting to just show some of the amazing things that happen as a result of sometimes simple obedience. And uh, I want to pull it up. Again, it's amazing. When I wasn't looking for it, it was right there. And now that I'm looking for it, I can't seem to retrieve it. Uh, but it's important that I do retrieve it because I think it speaks volumes to what I'm about to say here. And uh, I don't know what happened to it just that quickly. Uh, we'll get right on it because it was there. Okay, no, I know exactly where it is now. All right, it actually came to my other email address. And I'm and I'm, I'm blown away, and I want to share it with you because of the fact, uh, even today earlier, uh, I got, I've received phone calls from different ones um, and uh, that read the article, and some called me and they left messages. Um, we're talking about men in this case, and some were brought to tears. And I listened to a message from a dear friend of mine, a Caucasian uh, man. He's older than I am, but I've known him for a while. And his message to me, was the fact that uh, he was so blown away, he was so moved by the article. He literally was in tears, and I heard him say that. But I, I'm going to bring you back to it, and I've opened it up fully, uh, Mr. Steinmark, here. Ah, uh, oh, man. And he says, thank you for all you have accomplished and what you do. He said, Pastor Thicklin, after being moved by reading an article about you in the Palm Beach Post, I decided to make this painting of your trip to Selma. I hope you like it. And um, he actually did a painting of the there in Selma, and um, I'm blown away. I'm, I mean, you say what you want to. Maybe I'm acting as if, uh, you know, uh, that, you know, it's no big deal. But for me, when I think you deal with people who may not even know you, but I'm moved by the work you do or the things that you set out to do, then I I think it speaks volumes, and I do. And um, I'm going to reach back out to him uh, definitely, because I think with what he's done, um, it speaks volumes. It just absolutely speaks volume, and um, you know, it's it's just interesting. Uh, you know, who does that? You know, and my day has been filled with that type of response, those type of phone calls that have happened from people who actually uh, read the article. I saw it. Even on our break, I've received messages from people. On our, on our break, I received 
phone calls from individuals who were saying, listen, uh, I'm gathering some ministers together, and I want you to be a part of that because I think that you have something to lend to this group that I'm gathering. And I moved. I moved because, in fact, you know, um, true visionaries, we just go about doing the work. And that's what we do. We don't look for fame. We don't look for name. We simply are agents of change. And because we're agents of change, that's what we do. We simply go to do the work that God has assigned to our hands, and we allow God to do the rest of it. And that's what's happening now. God is doing the work, and we're moved by what God is doing. And we're going to continue to be moved by what God is doing because it's necessary. It is necessary that uh, we continue to give God glory and praise in the midst of it. But I want to get back to Selma, and then we'll get into some domestic violence things in the next few minutes. Selma was quite an impactful trip on every stretch of the imagination. One of the things that I saw as the city of Selma began to fill up, and they began to build the stages out front, and you saw from everywhere, uh, you really saw a first-class act put on. Um, from the setting of the stages to just the coordination between the local law enforcement and nearby law enforcement agencies. Uh, you saw people come in from all over the world, you name it. I mean, I didn't even get into the entertainment side of it, where you had entertainment, both gospel and all genres <coughs> that was there. And uh, they uh, they performed that was not the sense of competition as much as it was the sense of, hey, allow me to be a part of this moment. Uh, I was there. I don't know who Big Rob was, but he was on stage. I know uh, 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 Vanilla Ice was on stage. You had uh, uh, the Five Blind Boys of Alabama on stage. You had Dottie People on stage. You had uh, Kurt Franklin on stage. You had, um, oh, my, I'm looking right at her right now. Um, wow. Uh, very much known. Uh, uh, I associate her with uh, with Biggie Smalls. Uh, I can't even call her name now. Uh, Faith Faith Evans was there. You had uh, Flavor. I did mention Flavor Flav that was there. I don't know the name of the group who does the song. Uh, uh, the name they they were there. You had uh, uh, John P. Key that was there. You had um, oh my God, there are so many that I can't even call all the names of people who was there. You had a stale that was there. You had uh, individuals I wouldn't know for my time. They were all there, and they made it a grateful and gracious event. Uh, there with just the artists alone, they had the Thousand Voice Choir that was there. Uh, it was absolutely incredible. You had, uh, uh, what is his name, uh, Jay Anthony. Uh, he was there. You had Dougie Fresh. He was there. You had uh, uh, among the entertainers, so many was there. And, of course, you had people, of course, uh, President Barack Obama and the first family was there. You had a former president, uh, George W. Bush, he was there, uh, along with his wife. You had uh, people that was there. Of course, Miss Amelia Boynton, uh, Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton. Uh, you had uh, Attorney General Eric Holden there. You had people. Uh, you had there. Uh, you had there the uh, pr- uh, president of the uh, uh, of the College of Mayors in the United States and the CEO CEO of the uh, of the National Urban League, Mr. Muriel uh, Muriel Morocco was there. Um, you had individuals from everywhere that was there. 
you had, of course, Congressman John P. Lewis. You had family of Hosea William, family of Valerie, so that was there, the Reverend F.D. Reese, of course, my dear friend and classmate, uh, Congresswoman Terry Sewell. Uh, you had so many people that was there that it was unreal, and it all was for a worthwhile commemoration of the 50th March, uh, the 50th anniversary of the Bloody Sunday March, and I'm I can't even begin to tell you how special it was. So as you're listening tonight, area code 323-784-9638, area code 323-784-9638, that is how you can reach us. That is how you can get on the air with us. Uh, this is J.R. Thickling. You're listening to Open Healing. Please pardon my voice as it is going out on us. And I also want to say to you uh, that may be listening by way of the Internet, you can always call in on the number, area code 323-784-9638, and you hit the number one on your keypad if you call in. That lets our engineer know that you want to come on the airway, and uh, we'll be glad to get you there. Uh, Selma was an immense uh, event. I will tell you that on that Saturday, uh, on that Saturday, the day that President Obama spoke, it was quite a day because it was filled with all kinds of festivities. You had the parade going on. You had the foot soldiers' breakfast going on. You had the battle of the band going on. You had a number of activities that was going on at the same time, and people was coexisting. You mean people was polite. They did not have any type of violent outbreak or any of those things occurred in Selma. Uh, it was a very uh, peaceful, uh, best face forward to the world. And I know that the world saw Selma and its hospitality. And um, I'm saying, in my own personal recruit, I am definitely looking to recruit investors to go back to Selma. Let's help rebuild the infrastructure of Selma. It is too historical of a city, too beautiful of a city to have any dilapidated buildings or to be dealing with anything that takes away from its great history. And um, that's my next campaign. We have to um, be there for the restoration of Selma. Eric code 323-784-9638. That's how you reach us, Eric code 323-784-9638. And, uh, and as I go on from Selma, I have to say this, because I can't talk about Selma, I haven't grown up there, without talking about the places that you go eat. And I'm going to tell you, I almost made up for the years I've been gone eating at Laney's Barbecue number one and number two. And uh, matter of fact, on that Friday evening, um, uh, the news reporter, Barbara Marshall, and the, the reporter, uh, the photographer, Damon Higgins, uh, they met with myself and a few of my classmates uh, and a few friends of Selma. And uh, we began to dig some information from them about Selma and their experience, and we had a great time. They love Laney's Barbecue. We ate at number two first, and then we ate at number one on Saturday, and then I went to number one again, and uh, we enjoyed our time in Selma. And the food and the hospitality was great uh, in every sense of the word. Uh, I cannot say enough about the the the, oh, the whole landscape, uh, the hundreds of vendors and uh uh, hundreds of opportunities to make some things work, and it was absolutely incredible, absolutely incredible in Selma, Alabama. And um, and I will say that um, even leading up to the great day, the Bloody Sunday March commemoration, I had the opportunity to minister and speak on that Sunday morning over at Free Will Christian Church in Selma. And uh, <coughs> it had been my first time at this particular building with them. And, Beautiful edifice and everything, and uh, 
there was a mix-up on the time, and so the photographer and the uh, feature writer made their way downtown. And uh, we uh, rushed the service there, but was able to minister there and minister there amongst a place that my mother, alas, uh, was a member when she lived in Selma, and also to see people come out and be a part of this. And um, many sat there and they enjoyed the time uh, there in service, and we had a great time. We left uh, service and we headed to the bridge. Uh, and so uh, we were there. And uh, it was a great time. And when I finished, I spoke to a reporter to see where they were. And um, and they were there. And um, already down there by the Brown Chapel Church, I made my way there. And we lost all semblance of um, we lost all semblance of a radio signal. My phone began to die. And the next thing you know, bam, there it was. No signal. We finished service. We tried to find ourselves there. And there's a sea. I mean, there's literally uh, thousands of people outside of Brown Chapel. Even as um, uh, they were there, there were thousands of people outside of Brown Chapel while the great service was going on inside with all the dignitaries that was in there. And uh, the Reverend Al Shopton brought the message that day, and uh, their service was going over a little late. Uh, it was wall-to-wall. Uh, the balcony was full, and there, that's the reason that nearly 7,000 people were outside they're waiting, if not more. And at the end of the service, um, and the service was done, the mayor of the city, um, George Evans, stood up and said, we have a problem. And um, and uh, he told us the problem was the fact that while we were there, that they had already begun the march, and there was approximately 80,000 people already at the bridge. It was incredible. Absolutely. And um, so... That itself was one of the most memorable scenes I could ever think of, going across a bridge, entertaining different ones, meeting people that from all over the world, reacquainting yourself with people that you hadn't seen in years. Um, uh, uh, so uh, the thing that I'm saying that was so powerful is, uh, is Selma. Selma was uh, was quite an experience, and uh, we enjoyed it immensely there on this past week. So uh, that is my take on Selma. For those of you that are in our area, the South Florida area, there's a major article that was done by the Palm Beach Post about us and the trip to Selma, and uh, it's in yesterday's accent page. And, um, you know, I just want um, to invite you to uh, get that if you can. And so I want to do this here as I take my final break of this evening. I'm going to take my break, and uh, I'm going to see if we have any callers. You can call in if you like, area code 323-784-9638, area code 323-784-9638. And what we'll do, we'll transition from Selma uh, to talk a little bit about uh, in this call on my trip to Tampa inside of the domestic violence workshop we did for faith-based entities. You listen to Open Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin. So very glad that you join us, and we'll be right back after this commercial break. I promise you the break is coming. As we have a little technical difficulty with the commercial spinning, but we'll talk until it comes up because it was quite quite the celebration that we had this summer. 
Okay, let's see if we can get this commercial to come on. Starting now. You're listening to the Soul of America Radio. You're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin. And remember, you can catch this show every Monday night, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern and 8 o'clock p.m. Central. And give them a call tonight at 323-784-9638. 323 323-784-9638. You give Jay a call right now. And now, back to the show. of America Radio. Thank you for listening to J.R.L. Thicklin, Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. We feature every Monday night a show solely devoted to people that are going through abuse, some type of problem in your lives that you can't work out. We mainly focus on domestic violence, the cancer in our lives. Join J.R. Thicklin, your host, here every Monday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern, 8 o'clock p.m. Central, right here on the Soul of America Radio. You can contact Jay every Monday night at 323-784-9638. 
888-346-9338. Or you can listen to him online. Just follow at soulofamericaradio.com and listen for look for live streams. And that way you can speak or listen, whichever your choice may be. Thank you for joining us tonight. You're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin, on the Soul of America Radio. If you're listening via internet and you want to speak to the host, please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the Soul of America Radio. Here's your host, J.R. Thicklin. Sorry, we have been doing the show the last 20 seconds without you. Thank you so much. Welcome back to Hope and Healing Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Ficklin, and uh, we are so glad to be with you tonight. Uh, we were actually back on the air, but was not on the mic. And so, so glad that you've held on as you're with us tonight. And uh, as I was just saying before the break, um, we're very excited to be able to be available each and every Monday night, every Monday night right here on the Soul of America Radio Network, 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Central, 7 o'clock in the Mountain Time Zone, 6 o'clock in the Pacific, and wherever you may be around the globe, you can find us. This platform is so very important because of the fact of the need of hope and healing. When there's been a loss, when there's been a hurt, when there's been abandonment, when there's been abuse, when there's been rejection, whether that loss is through death or divorce or hurt, abandonment, rejection, listen, depression knows no one. Hurt and pain knows no boundaries. And so you must understand that hope in healing is derived from the whole point that we have to have hope if we're going to make it past the hurdles and the barriers that are facing us. And then we understand that healing is our goal. We eventually want to be healed. For every person who is a victim of domestic or sexual violence, they ultimately need to be healed. Safety is paramount, yes. But after they've gotten safety, what are we doing to make sure that a person get healed? Healing is the next part. Healing is the goal, is the destination. Because one could uh, one could get out of an abusive relationship, and if they don't heal, the residue and the symptoms from being in it will remain with them. So therefore, uh, the sense of being closed uh, closed in and cl- shutting others out, the sense of shutting down, the sense of rejection, the sense of abandonment, sometimes anger, sometimes the sense of uh, being uneasy can be very much the person norm as a result of what happened. This past weekend, I had the opportunity to be in Tampa, and when I was in Tampa there, I did a very important workshop, a faith-based workshop entitled Ending the Holy Hush, the Introductory Faith-Based Training to Domestic Violence. Of course, it was for faith-based leaders and different ones, and we had people that was there from many different disciplinaries, and we had a great time. And one of the things I talked about was the prevalence of domestic violence 
in our society, the prevalence of domestic violence. And it happens more than what we care to know. And I want to give you just a few numbers that will blow your mind, and these are recent numbers, but I want you to understand how prevailing it is. The number of Americans killed in the Afghanistan and Iraq war between 2001 and 2012 was 6,488. The number of American women who were murdered by current or ex-male partners during that time was 11,766. Now, that's nearly double the amount of casualties lost during war. And yet, still, we're talking about this is occurring from the hand of someone who once said, I love you, you're my baby, you're my boo, you're my significant other. My point is women are more likely to be victims of uh, domestic violence and intimate partner violence, with 80% of domestic violence being uh, women that are victims and 15% are men that are victims. Too many women have been held captive, if you would, by domestic violence. Too many have been held captive, whether it's by physical abuse, economical abuse, or emotional abuse, or the combination of all three. It has happened way too much. So when we start talking about domestic violence and how prevalent it is, we've got to understand that it affects people from all walk of life. One in four women will experience domestic violence during their lifetime. One in four during their lifetime. Now, that's a big number. One in four women will experience domestic violence in their lifetime. Three is the number of women murdered every day by a current or former partner in the U.S. of A. What if I told you that 38,028,000 women have experienced physical, intimate partner violence in their lifetime? What if I told you 4,774,000? That's the number of women in the U.S. who experience physical violence by an intimate partner every year. What if I said to you 15,000, should I say 1,509? That's the number of women murdered by men that they knew in 2011. Now, of the 1,509 women, 926 were killed by an intimate partner, and 264 of those were killed by an intimate partner during an argument. What if I just yelled out 18,000? That's the number of women who have been killed by men in domestic violence disputes since 2003. Folks, I didn't say injured. I'm saying killed. Their lives were taken from them. Then, of course, what if I told you that one in four, that's the number of women who will be a victim of domestic violence, severe violence by an intimate partner or a lifetime. And so that you understand that this is not a one-sided conversation, what if I told you that one in seven, that's the number of men who will be battered, or be severe victims of domestic violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime? Here's what. Here's a statistic I want to give you that will cause your boss to become concerned about what's happening in your life. Here's a statistic that should cause every employer to consider continued education as it relates to domestic violence. And so one of the things I want to tell you, this number here is mind-blowing. Are you ready for it? Because this is the one that's going to convince your boss that this is the right way to go inside of getting a domestic violence seminars and things. Eight million, that's the number of days of paid work women lose every year because of the abuse perpetrated against them by a current or former male partner. 
This loss is equivalent to over 32,000 full-time jobs. You want to check out the unemployment rate. Look at how it can be increased. Wow. 40 to 45, that's the percentage of a women in physically abusive relationship who are raped and or assaulted during their relationship. But then I want to give you a number that's a little bit more serious because oftentimes we shun and we discount this condition. I'm going to say 18,500,000. That's the number of mental health care visits due to intimate partner violence every year. $948. That's the average cost of emergency care for intimate partner violence related incidents for women. The average cost for men is only 387. What if I told you two in five? That's the number of gay or bisexual men who will experience intimate partner violence in their lifetime. 50, that's the percentage of lesbian women who will express domestic violence, not necessarily intimate partner violence, in their lifetime. Those are some numbers just to stand out at you. Because I think those numbers alone are enough to bring us to some sense of reason. There are many more numbers I could give you. But I think this here says and speaks volumes to each and every one of us. So what do we do? One of the things that I had the delight and the pleasure when I was in Tampa this weekend um, was to um, present to this particular group and to get their feedback and their reaction. Because their feedback and their reaction is, is paramount. Is absolutely paramount. It's uh, paramount to the things that they learned, the things that they were moved by. And truly, they were moved by many things, and they learned. And so, with that being said, the little time we have left on the show, Erico three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. I want to invite your calls today. If you'd like to have a comment or question, just simply hit the number one on your keypad. That's anyone that's calling in tonight. Erico three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That is how you reach us. Perhaps you have a question and or comment. Uh, we're open mic right now tonight. You have a right to uh, bring this subject matter up. And I want to say something that is very important because of the fact. Domestic violence, once again, does not discriminate. It doesn't care whether you're gay or straight, whether you're hetero or homo. It doesn't care where you go to church. It doesn't. It does not disregard. So we have a charge and a commission to continue to recruit for justice. We have a charge and a mission to continue to do the things that is going to empower us. No one has a right to devalue another's life and definitely not to the point of injury. So with that being said, the numbers uh, for you to call in, Erico, 323-784-9638, 323-784-9638. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, simply hit the number one on the keypad. We'll get you on the air. And um, you'll listen to Open Healing, a Journey to Wholeness, and then we'll wait you on the air now. I know I said that was the last commercial break, but we're going to take this one here. And we'll take your calls right on the other side of this break, open healing, a journey to wholeness. Power, love, so right. 
Voice of America Radio. My name is Bernadette Stannis, and you know me as Thelma from the TV show Good Times. And I am hanging out with Tony on the soul of America Radio. Now the victims end up doing what? The victims end up 
uh, foregoing their own safety and their own feelings for that of the perpetrator. So that is something that I'm, I, I definitely want to bring to your attention there because it was a major thing. Uh, she changed her story. She recanted her story. We're seeing domestic violence occur in every walk of life, every facet of life, and so we have to be very careful. I just gave you some very powerful numbers that uh, speaks volumes to this subject matter, and oftentimes we turn a deaf ear to it. And, uh, and I gave you some numbers that I thought was uh, was um, very important. But here's another number I think that your employer and those around you, your business owners, would would probably take a, uh, a real serious look about domestic violence if they knew this. The estimated cost of inc- the estimated cost of incidents related to intimate partner violence perpetrated against women in the U.S. of A. in 1995 alone was five billion eight hundred thousand. $5.8 billion. Now, I'm going to throw this statistic out because of the fact of the, the, the society that we live in today. 21, that's the number of late gasping, bisexual, transgender people murdered by their intimate partners in 2013. 50% of them were people of color. This is the highest documented level of domestic violence homicide in the LGBT community in history. Here's another one, 2.6 times. That's the amount of times more likely a transgender person of color is to become a victim of intimate partner violence than a non-LGBT person. Then they give us another statistic here, 70 times. That amount. That's the amount of times more likely a woman is to be murdered in the few weeks after leaving her abusive partner than at any other time in the relationship. These are some very credible numbers. and These are some very important things. These are very important facts that we have to look at. These statistics, they are, they are they're real. And so we have to begin to pay very attention to them. And so um, I just want you to just um, take note that this is not something um, uh, to, to look down upon. This is not nothing to uh, to uh, be be uh, happy about neither. There's too much that is happening, and there's too many lives that have been impacted by this issue. And we have to make it better. We have to make it better. We have to make it better. And I and I invite each and every one of you to be a part of that, even right now. Eric code three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. As we come into the final stretch of our time together, if you desire to have a question to add or comment, simply hit the number hit the number uh, one on your keypad. That will let our producer know that you want to get on the airway. We'll get you on the airway tonight uh, before we close this show out because it's very important. When we look at the fact that it, it takes a caring community, it takes a caring community to really be able to address this issue from uh, its real roots. Too often, I think what we end up having, it's not a caring community because we look at a criminalization of domestic violence, but we very seldom look into the people who are impacted in so many other ways, people that are impacted by uh by other things, people that are impacted by uh, family members that oftentimes that have betrayed them. They're impacted by folks uh, that uh, have threatened them and isolated them. So we, as a community, we have to be a caring community and become that lifeline. See, even if you're armed with enough knowledge and information, 
to be able to be there for a victim, to direct them in the right place, uh, to be able to uh, to be able to model the right lessons, it goes a long way. And we have the opportunity to make a difference in everything that we do. We have to move from the model of just being bystanders and people that just watch and say, hey, yeah, they got problems going on. We have to become the upstanders. We have to become those that are going to stand up and speak out. In my workshop on this past weekend, one of the things that I said to the audience there was this, that, listen, we understand that old saying that evil prevails when good men and women remain silent. Evil prevails when good men and women remain silent. And so as long as we're silent and we don't say anything or do anything about it, that means that the enemy has all the room to run rampant in the lives of those that we love and those that are affected by it. And so one of the things that I say to you inside of that is the fact that we cannot afford to remain silent. As a matter of fact, I like to put it this way here, that every time we're remaining silent, we are endorsing the abuse. For every moment of silence that we go and we allow to lapse, we are endorsing the abusive behavior. And that is not what we're designed to do. We're here to denounce the abusive behavior. We're here to model better behavior. We're here to to make better choices. And we're here to preserve, if you would, the life and the legacy of so many that are uh, unjustly impacted by domestic violence. So we have a responsibility, and that responsibility we ought to begin to take up upon ourselves and walk in the things that we should walk, being able to lend to those uh, individuals that may be suffering in the hand of domestic violence a way out, an alternative, a change agent. And that will make the difference inside of so many things that we do. Listen, our time is getting away from us. We're coming to the bottom of that hour uh, pretty soon. Uh, It's 10-19, so we have just a few minutes left. And in this time here, I am going to get ready to say goodbye to you. I want you to continue to follow us every Monday night, Solo America Radio Network, Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. That's 8.30 p.m. on the Eastern Time. That's 8 o'clock on the Eastern Time Zone. And until next time, I want you to know that we continue to stand with you, that you do not have to suffer domestic violence and silence by yourself. Let us walk with you. Let us talk with you. Let us empower you. Let us be that one that helps you find your voice. And until next time, this is J.R. Thicklin, and I am bidding you a good night.
Take me to 
Time will heal. 